Welcome to Prima's 2021 podcast series. My name is Shonda Ragland. I am the Director of Education at Prima. On this Prima podcast, Mark Morgan will discuss the true cost of pharmacy. Mark is the president of Cheryl Morgan. We will also be joined by Prima's Education Coordinator, Taekwon Gilbert. Taekwon will moderate the discussion. Enjoy the podcast. Thank you for joining us today, Mark. Thank you, and it's quite a privilege to be able to uh, participate in this podcast and share uh, thoughts regarding pharmacy and how it's been impacting our health plans and us individually. I've been uh, doing this now for 31 years, and one of the biggest things I've been trying to address in my entire career is pharmacy costs and helping people understand it, why it costs what it does. And so far, I think I've deciphered about 95% of it. I always feel like there's 5% more that constantly changes that I'm always trying to understand. But in general, in order to communicate how pharmacy programs work, why drugs cost the what, what they do, how come they change all the time, I'm going to give a little description, assuming that everybody is uh, studying in a room or is quite familiar with what a room looks like, a ceiling, a tabletop, and a floor. I'm going to describe the pharmacy programs, how they work today, and then what we can do to possibly address these programs with individually and for our health plans. But the best way to understand a universe of drugs is something very untangible other than a copay that we pay at a retail situation is describe it in physical terms. So if we think of a manufacturer of drugs and what that manufacturer does, they produce drugs many places around the world. And even in the U.S. and Canada and China and uh, England and Ireland's a big place to produce drugs as well as Scotland. They send them to, uh, to us, to the pharmacies for us to get. Well, the wholesaler is the one that ultimately decides what the price is going to be for a drug. And let's just uh, say that that, wholesale, that manufacturer then says, all right, I'm going to decide the cost of the drug that I'm going to sell it to a retailer for or to a hospital or to a provider is $1,000. First of all, let me say that a, wholes- that, a re- that a manufacturer says they're going to set that as the price, but they negotiate that via a wholesaler. So a wholesaler is the, really the distributor that's sending it to the practitioner or the hospital or the retail pharmacy, such as a Walgreens or a CVS. So the manufacturer makes the drug, decides what its sale price is going to be, and the wholesaler marks that up a little bit, typically about 8% or so, and off it goes to the retailer. And the wholesaler is going to sell it directly to the retailer. Well, that retailer is going to buy it for that amount that the wholesaler sold it to them for. So that's the cost. That cost is called the retail acquisition cost, or ACI, acquisition cost indexing, retail acquisition cost indexing. But that isn't what we pay for the drug. That's what Kroger, CVS, Walgreens paid for the drug. Now there's this other entity that comes into play that has nothing to do with this distribution chain. Remember, the wholesaler is selling it to all the providers that would deliver the drug to me, the hospital, the provider, or the retailer. This other organization that's then inserted is called the PBM, or Pharmacy Benefit Manager. A pharmacy benefit manager is the organization that just tells me as an individual or tells me as a health plan what I want to pay for the drug. So let's say that manufacturer, that wholesaler, is the ceiling in the room you are setting in, and that the retailer is the tabletop where everything is setting. 
So the distance between the ceiling and the tabletop, that acquisition cost, so this is the tabletop that the retailer paid, is this empty space that the PBM is going to decide what I'm going to pay more than what the retailer or the provider paid for it. So when they say, all right, so my PBM says, I'm going to give you a discount of 60%, what they're really saying is I'm going to inflate the price from the acquisition cost back to what the wholesaler says it should be sold, could be sold for, and that's called AWP, or average wholesale price. The average wholesale price is then a markup from the wholesaler actually sold it for to the retailer. So now let's say the cost of the drug is $1,500. And the PBM is going to say, hey, but I'm going to give you a discount from that $1,500, which is the average wholesale price. And I want to give you a discount that knocks that down to $1,300. So that $1,300 is a completely manufactured, quite frankly, made-up discount model. So that space between the tabletop and the ceiling is simply a void that a PBM is going to act like they're providing a discount for and selling that to the health plan or to the individual. So then when we talk about cards like GoodRx or we talk about discount programs like that, that brings something else into play. What that brings into play is what's called a rebate. So up in the ethereal world of the manufacturer above our ceilings, that is selling to the wholesaler, the manufacturer tells the wholesaler, if you push my drug, I'll give you some of my money. Say that rebate is $100. Well, a good RX or a uh, say, all right, we're going to take that rebate and give part of that rebate reduction to the person. But now they're paying less than $1,300. They're paying $1,250. Maybe they split the rebate with you. And they decide what that situation is and how those drugs are discounted. In the world of these GoodRx cards or these other cards that you might get in discounts, they do have different formulas and they vary. But I would recommend that if you're stuck in a universe that you're going to have to go get a drug, as a member, as an individual, feel free to use those discount cards to your advantage. That is something that I do personally even for some drugs being covered under a high-deductible plan on a fully insured situation. So the first power that you have as an individual is to go ahead and use those discount cards. That's a little bit different than some other programs that are traditionally out there, but that's about the only power you have as an individual. So the wholesalers move the drug to the retailer, and then the PBM has come in and marked it up arbitrarily, usually no higher than what's called the average wholesale price, and there are two different tables out there for what the average wholesale price could be, or maximum allowable cost is another term, but both of them are just arbitrary systems of discounting. So how do we get rid of that PBM situation? Or what do we do to address that when it's an arbitrary made-up price? So when you get your report as a health plan and the PBM comes in and says, this is your ingredient cost. Well, it's your ingredient cost, but it's not what the retailer paid for. It's literally the markup from the retail what the PBM wants you to pay them for the drug. And in all this, a PBM never bought a drug in their life. (laughs) All right, now we're going to step outside of this universe and say, okay, what can I do about it as a health plan? Well, there are a very small number 
EBMs, and right now I'm only aware of two, <laughs> that use a model that says, hey, I know what Kroger, I know what Walgreens, I know what CVS paid for the drug. I know they paid the $1,008 for the drug. I know that they want to sell it for something more than that and all. And typically in a PBM universe, that profit that that PBM made, they'll share a little bit of that profit with the retailer in order to incentivize them to push their drug. Or they'll share maybe a little bit of the rebate with the um, retailer so that they like that program, that they get paid more money than what they paid for it. Plus, they get the member's copay in their pocket. And that's how the retailer makes their money if there is a copay for that drug. But if I know what the retailer paid for the drug, then I can say, all right, how about if I go to the retailer and I say, retailer, you're making this variable money up and down from the different PBMs. Maybe some share more profit with you than others or some share less of it with you. What if I just paid you a flat dollar amount for every drug I buy from you? If you bought it for $1,008, sell it to me for $1,008, and then I will uh, give you $10 or $30 or $50, some number above that, so that I always know what the difference is, never fluctuates. And that's called acquisition cost indexing, where I'm going to increase the cost on a cost plus basis, a flat amount of money. And that's what the retailer is going to accept. Retailers around the country have accepted this model and accept payment on this basis, except for Walgreens. So what's the value of this acquisition cost indexing? What does it mean as opposed to traditional AWP discount or maximum allowable cost format? It means that this variable discount table that is used that never tells me what the retailer bought the drug for and what the difference is between what the PBM is making and the retailer bought it for goes away. It's wiped away. It's not used anymore. It is more transparent. It is guaranteed by nature of how it is developed to save you money. How much money has to be evaluated because we don't know if your PBM actually gave you a pretty good discount or not above the acquisition cost of the retailer. But when you wipe that variable table away, you now know what the inflation is going to be more easily. You now know what the cost of the drug is going to be more easily. And in all likelihood, it's almost guaranteed you're going to save money because you wiped away the old model and put in this cost plus model. So if you want to use one of those two PBMs, you can contact us afterwards. We can put you in contact with them that do business in this manner. Uh, right now, if you went to your major consulting houses, national consulting houses, they don't adopt this model into their situation because they don't know how to do it in a traditional format. The major national consulting houses want to evaluate a PBM based upon the AWP discounts, the maximum allowable cost circumstances, and the rebates. And by the way, as many of you probably are aware, most of the rebates with uh, most of the health plans, if you're self-funded, are not shared with the health plan. So having a PBM that gives you 100% of the rebates would be a good thing. It would also help you save dollars. There's a whole other session we could do on cost savings, on how what does rebates mean? Should I get more rebates? Should I not get more rebates? When I get all of my rebates and my rebates go up, is that good? Is that bad? In general, rebates, getting them when you can is good. Rebates go up, that generally means your cost of your drugs went up. So as a general rule, getting 100% of the rebates, but having your rebates go down 
actually probably meant that you spent less on your drugs. That's a conversation we'll get to more for another day. But I want to spend about five to seven more minutes talk about two other forms of how to acquire substances that are unique, that most of you have the power out there to utilize. I say most of you. I mean even those that might be with a uh, self-funded plan or that might be with a fully insured plan. One that affects only the self-funded plan, so I'll go about the fully insured one here in a moment, is called own use acquisition. Own use is what that wholesaler sells the drug to a provider for or a hospital for, predominantly a hospital. So the retailer buys it at that acquisition cost index situation that I talked about a moment ago. The hospital buys it at what's called an own use basis. Just means it's cheaper than what the retailer bought it for. All these terms really equate to dollars. So when a hospital buys a drug, they buy it for less than what the retailer bought it for. They might buy that $1,000 drug for $500, and that's called their own use acquisition cost. Why is the term own use used? Because it's the hospital acquiring it for the purposes of their own use, and then they mark that drug up, and by law, they have to mark it up when they resell it to a health plan or a member. They can't just directly sell it for their own use price unless you happen to be an organization that is covered under the Nonprofit Institutions Act which gives exemption to Robinson Patton, which is the Unfair Business Practices Act. If you are an organization mentioned in that act, which are school systems, all forms of school systems, colleges, K through 12s, you are a church or a diocese, if you are a hospital, if you are a library, why libraries are involved specifically, but they're mentioned, so good, or if you are a 501c3, and you are allowed to cut a deal with your local hospital, and your hospital can sell you those drugs, and they have to sell them to you on that deal at that own use price, and then they're allowed to charge a fee for doing that. So it's kind of like the ACI model in that you're just got a fixed amount you're marking the drug up in order to acquire that price. An example would be insulin in the AWP universe with the PBM might cost In the ACI universe, where it's a retail situation, that drug might cost $100. And in the own use universe, that insulin might cost $5 to $15. That gives you the power and the difference in those situations. How would I use own use? Well, if you're one of those qualified entities, you have to find a PBM that's going to be willing to administer the program for you. Those PBMs do exist. There's a couple of those that do that as well. And you're going to hopefully find a retailer that'll shelve it for you. So if you bought that insulin for $5, by the time you're done paying the PBM, by the time you're done shelving it at a retailer, you're going to pay maybe $15, maybe $18 for that drug. But you know that it will only cost $5 in the hospital and you see what it costs to support that system of delivering it to your members. That's something we can go into more detail on just own use in another presentation, if you wish, as well, and how you manage an own use program and do that. And we do have organizations today that are utilizing the ACI programs and buying drugs at the retail circumstance. We do have organizations today that are operationally doing their drugs on an own use basis. So these are not first-time things for someone to be doing. These things have been done. The last model is called 340B. 
340B would be taking the own-use price of a provider and then applying this discount that the wholesalers have to apply if you are a 340B patient. Now, 340B is a complicated universe all in of itself. I'm just going to briefly describe it to you here in the next couple of minutes to let you know that's an opportunity for you that you should evaluate. Basically, 340B means that my doctor's office, the building he is housed in, whether it be a hospital or a, uh, a standalone structure, is a facility that is qualified as a 340B facility. And that the physician in that facility is qualified as a 340B physician. Originally, this was created as a model for indigent programs, Medicaid programs, those kind of things. However, recently, HRSA, who regulates these programs, has opened them up more so that they're more accessible to everyday people. So anyone can say, hey, I want my doctor to be a 340B doctor. Well, your local hospital or physician practices, if you search online, you'll be able to find those. And you can make that your primary care physician. If you make that your primary care physician, then you're able to go see them, and you can probably buy your drugs for less through their script situation going to a retailer than you could the others. Now, the complication in that with 340B is you have to find out ahead of time, particularly if you're a diabetes patient, what your drugs would cost if you saw that 340B physician because it's up to that practice, up to that hospital to decide how much they're going to share of that 340B savings, if any at all. Okay? And that 340B cost, for instance, for insulin, literally might just be a dollar or 50 cents. But then they're allowed to charge more and mark it up because that rebate of the 340B circumstances, which is not technically called a rebate, but for understanding purposes, we'll use that word, is given to them because, they're, because the theory is they're seeing an underserved community. But no one is restricted from making their position that position. So that's when I can go and I'm an individual and under some healthcare program, maybe a fully insured one, and it might be a tool for me to use to get my drugs less expensively. But let's say I'm a self-funded plan and I wish to make an arrangement with my local hospital where I say, hey, local hospital, we will send our people to your 340B physicians if you'll share some of the rebates with us that you get or the 340B discounts you get with us. That's and the hospital is allowed to do that or the practice is allowed to do that. That means then you would be buying your drugs significantly less than any of the other circumstances, the ACI, the own use, and then under 340B would be the best way to buy drugs if your hospital is willing to share those circumstances with the health plan of what their discount is. And there are organizations out there that are doing that today, and hospitals are doing that today. Of the three models that we've talked about, though, if I were to rank them in difficulty, ACI is the easiest to do. And then I would recommend that every self-funded health plan out there evaluate an ACI program albeit only a couple of PBMs are doing it. But uh, if more people would do it, more PBMs would be doing it. <laughs> and it is the way of the future. And a lot of the uh, regulations that have recently come out of the White House and from regulatory organizations are pushing the PBM universe and the whole universe toward ACI. That is the easiest thing to do. The next is getting a hospital organized to do own use with you, but then you'd have to be a hospital or a school system or a church or diocese, a library, or 501c3. But then the whole universe can do 340B, 
And as individuals, you have to find out that's going to benefit you as an individual making your DACA 340B DOC. But as a health plan, if you're able to negotiate with your facility to share those savings with you, then you're going to save the most. And that takes negotiation, and hospitals are doing it. Those are the three primary ways, besides the discount cards, that you could save dollars with your health plans or as individuals. We have reached the end of our podcast. Thanks to our speaker and all of our listeners. Please visit the Prima website to hear other Prima podcasts, view upcoming Prima webinars, read Prima blogs, and learn about other Prima educational resources. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and our very own Prima Talk. Have an amazing day.